Voice of St. Louis original podcast. Hey, I'm Michael Calhoun with all you need to know from across St. Louis to start off the week. It's the STL All Local. Our top local story on this Monday, June 12th, there's another indictment involving the St. Louis Board of Aldermen. There is now a fourth indictment stemming from an FBI sting involving a North St. Louis businessman who bribed members of the Board of Aldermen. This time, former Alderman Brandon Bosley is charged with three counts of wire fraud with federal investigators saying he inflated an auto repair bill to gain thousands in insurance payment money. Bosley bought the car under market value from businessman Muhammad Al-Mutan, the same man three other North St. Louis aldermen were convicted of accepting bribes from. Bosley is from a prominent St. Louis political family and his sister Lakeisha is currently a state representative. Sean Michael Lyle, KMOX News. A violent afternoon today in the city. For the details, let's go live to the newsroom and KMOX's Maria Kina. Michael, uh, it includes another child being shot. This time, the 8700 block of Oxford. It happened around 4.30. Police say a five-year-old little girl was shot on her side. They are not releasing any details of the shooting or her condition. They will only say she was conscious and breathing and transported to the hospital via EMS. At Carter and Grand, an hour earlier, a 33-year-old woman shot and injured at North Grand and Carter. And at St. the St. Louis Police, it appears now on the scene of yet another shooting. That's in the 5400 block of Partridge, but so far, no information on what happened there. Michael? And Maria, we're hearing from Mayor Tashara Jones for the first time since Dot Foods said they will not hold their convention here next year and the year after because of crime. Crime is a regional issue, and we've started to address it regionally for the first time in our city's history. Uh, as seen in uh, mid-May when we had a regional crime summit, we want to bring all of our region's partners to the table to address crime as a region. Jones says as she looks at St. Louis City stats, a little over 40% of people in city jails are not city residents. Calling it the first law of its kind, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker signed a bill today to outlaw the banning of books. The legislation comes after challenges to books, some considered obscene, but the governor says this is nothing new. The United States has gone through periods of protests against works by authors like Charles Darwin and Mark Twain and J.D. Salinger. The law protects public libraries from outside restrictions on what materials they may carry. It mirrors the American Library Association's Bill of Rights. State Representative Tony Lavasco has quit the St. Charles County Republican Party Central Committee. He posted a letter to Twitter advising followers they should no longer support the committee, saying they are, quote, more focused on attacking our own than growing our movement. Lavasco said committee leaders were publicly calling out elected Republicans and condemning their legislation. He had been serving as county chairman before today's resolution. 800 donated energy efficient air conditioners in the support of his energy assistance grant speaks volumes. St. Louis Fire Chief Dennis Jankerson says because of Ameren's donations, lives have been saved. Of the good corporate and social responsibility and our passion and commitment by CoolDownStLouis.org to help the most vulnerable avoid heat strokes and potential deaths this summer. For more information on Cool Down St. Louis, go to KMOX.com. No one was hurt and the cause of the fire remains under investigation after a church caught fire and the roof collapsed in Warrington this morning. It happened at the Abundant Life Church on Northwest Service Road along I-70. At one point, the smoke plume could be seen for miles. The mother of Christian Ferguson is pushing for a new notification that could help other families. The CTF medical alert. Theta person says, yes, Amber alerts are a good thing, but... With the Amber alert, the police have the discretion to say, we don't think this is important. We don't think it meets the criteria. 
But for children and adults missing who need medication, who cannot communicate or have other pressing medical needs, she believes a medical alert could make a difference. So we don't have time to go and do an ex parte order of child protection and try to see what this attorney's going to do and who's going. We don't have time to wait for that. And we don't have time for the police to decide that a person's life is important because all lives are important. Person says people should contact their lawmakers to help push for the Christian Taylor Ferguson medical alert. Four in ten companies say they're turning to artificial intelligence to screen job applicants. KMOX virtual consumer editor Megan Lynch tells us job seekers don't like it. So the fear is that they're not going to be able to relax and conduct an interview as if they were talking with a human being. Stacy Howler, Chief Career Advisor at ResumeBuilder.com, says the majority of businesses who plan to use AI for interviews are also concerned the technology might screen out good candidates. Candidates are not used to interviewing this way, and it could be very daunting. So getting on front of a screen and talking to a bot in responding to questions is not something that comes naturally to people. 64% of businesses polled report using AI as an early screening tool. As we continue on KMOX, the U.S. Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Economic Development, Alejandro Castillo, was in Alton today, along with Congresswoman Nikki Budzinski, who joins us right now on KMOX. Uh, thank you for calling in, Congresswoman. Thank you, Michael, for having me on. So this uh, visit was about economic revitalization and development efforts and what's really needed in southern Illinois. What, what did you learn? What came out of this? We had a great morning and afternoon with the Assistant Secretary. It was really our opportunity to showcase for the Economic Development Administration all of the opportunity that there is from a regional perspective um, and that we are going to be actively applying for federal grant dollars to come back to our area. Um, and so giving her the opportunity to see firsthand all of the revitalization that's happening in downtown Alton, how that work is really going to reverberate throughout the region. Um, but also we had a roundtable discussion that I thought was very instructive, hearing directly from our local villages and mayors um, about some of the unique challenges and opportunities that we face in the region and how the federal government and state can be a partner um, in how we really address economic development um, and really take a, a strategic regional approach. What did those uh, mayors and other leaders say about the situation in the Metro East and what they need? Well, we have a lot of infrastructure needs. You know, the Metro East is very uniquely situated right on the Mississippi. Um, and so, you know, it's very important we continue to make uh, critical investments in our locks and dams and our roads and bridges. That's really key to economic development, first and foremost, is that we have a good foundation, which means we have a good infrastructure system um, that helps people get to work, that helps our goods get to market. I serve on the House Agriculture Committee. I can tell you I know that is particularly important for our family farmers. So I heard a lot about that from our local communities and specifically from our mayors today. I think one of the other challenges that we hear a lot about or I do within the 13th District is around technical assistance. Some of our smaller communities just don't have the capacity for the, um, the bigger grant um, applications and the time intensity that it takes to apply. So how do we cut out the bureaucracy and the red tape so that our communities get the funding that they need? That was something that the Assistant Secretary heard about today from some of the communities in the district. Um, but I also think that there is a lot of great economic development that's happening that she heard about today, too. Um, in Alton, uh, you know, we're trying to 
Alton Works is actually doing fantastic work downtown to try to create a tech hub downtown, which could attract um, a, a new workforce. Uh, we also heard a lot about workforce development from Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville. Lewis and Clark as a community college is doing a lot of really critical workforce development. Those are all opportunities for our region to attract and retain uh, folks in our area and to continue to uh, make gains in economic development. Now, I was uh, looking up some of the big um, manufacturing announcements recently. For instance, we've had some electric battery plants announced in, uh, you know, Tennessee and Michigan, uh, not Missouri and not Illinois. Um, why do you think the Metro East has not been included in this, this wave of electrification expansion that we're seeing? Well, I'll tell you, Michael, I'm working hard to make sure we do get included. Um, and I think that starts by important visits like we had today. Um, from the Assistant Secretary, uh, Assistant Secretary Castillo, to hear about all of the unique opportunities that we have, all of the critical investments that are being made in the area, the state and local and federal partnerships that exist. We are the communities that are ripe for investment. I'd like to see some of those federal dollars, whether it be through CHIPS, attracting more manufacturing into our area, something we critically need. We are working actively with the governor's office uh, to make sure that we have a good partnership on the ground to attract those businesses and do it together. I was really excited that the Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity out of the governor's office, including one of our deputy governors, Deputy Governor Minar, was a part of our roundtable discussion today. Because what it's really going to take in order to attract those new manufacturing companies and jobs is collaboration and partnership at the local, state, and federal level. And that's what I hope and I do believe the Assistant Secretary saw today, that we're working and pulling in the same direction for our communities, Republicans and Democrats, uh, to get things done. This is a feeling that some might have, but I'm wondering if there's any reality to it, if the Metro East gets um, a fair shake or if, it's, if it lives kind of in the shadow of Chicago and the Missouri side of, of St. Louis. And if so, what can be done about that? Well, I'm working hard every day to make sure we're in no one's shadow. And I think that some of the things that you're seeing, the federal infrastructure investment dollars that are coming into our communities, workforce development, I've been really trying to lead the way in Congress to say that I believe there should be alternative pathways to giving people opportunities to get the job skills they need to get into good middle-class jobs. And that doesn't have to require a four-year degree. We've got great community colleges in the areas. We've got great union apprenticeship programs. We can get people into good-paying jobs that are going to help us with our economic development in the area and help us, again, to um, make the case that we are a great place for investment, both at the state and the federal level. Um, and so that's what I see my job to be as a fighter for our communities in Congress and making sure we're getting our fair share. And so that's what today was about, and I think we made good progress. Stay up to date with KMOX at the top of the hour. Total information AM and PM and the STL, all local. Subscribe.